We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 65 with Greg Levitt. We have a wonderful interview today with Greg Levitt. He is talking about subject-level PLCs, and he's talking about how they use common formative assessments to focus on being excellent regardless of whatever state test may be there, and shares how they became number one in the state of Utah in writing for middle schools. Is it getting to be the time of the year that you need to do a little bit of spring cleaning, desk getting overloaded with paper, can't find your keyboard or your computer? Well, I've got a solution for you. It's called The Paperless Principle. It's a book that I wrote that will help you learn how to become paperless and use the right tools to help you get your work done. It's an amazing book that I hope will help you focus on being more efficient with your time so that you can devote more time to helping students learn. Click on the link in the show notes. I appreciate your support. So let's switch over to the uh, to the subject area teams now. We've learned a little bit about the cross-curricular teams. I know that we could go on for hours about those, but let's talk a little bit about the subject teams. And and you have those in addition to the cross-curricular teams. How how is the setup for that? How when do they meet? What's their meeting schedule like? So um, after our our, after our uh, cross-curricular meetings, and they met for an hour, and then they just break, and for the next hour, they go to subject-level meetings. And oh, I let them have those subject-level meetings up in their room, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the notes look differently uh, in those meetings. Um, and, uh, and then I walk around, because they need their materials um, when they plan, you know, they need their testing materials, they need their curriculum books, and those are too hard to bring down all the time. So, mm-hmm. so I let them meet in their areas for that. 
and um, and what that meeting agenda is uh, is just that. It's uh, I, the agenda for those meetings are what do we want them to know? How are we going to know that they know it? What are we going to do if they don't? And over the years, um, over the years, I my t- my team of teachers have basically memorized that agenda. So I don't even think I have an agenda anymore because they're so mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote in it now that and, and automatic that uh, all I have to ask for is their data sheets. And we've evolved. We have, um, I mean, I don't know, for someone just starting out uh, with PLCs, they just need to start with those questions and they need to let, uh, they need to make sure teachers um, turn in or at least show principals that they're building um, data around specific standard questions and, uh, excuse, excuse me, specific standards um, that the teachers are um, uh, testing and uh, quizzing students on. So, for an example, um, uh, in math, you might test on standard one, two, and three of of fractions. You know that was the whole that was the big unit fractions, and then there's five or six standards, and they may test on those standards, and those standards would have a mastery score to it. So, for example, uh, teacher A, seventy uh, percent of their students may have mastered these particular standards. Teacher B, only maybe 90% mastered. Teacher C, um, 65% mastered. And they should break it down by each standard um, to determine. And so when they come together as, and they've given these formative common assessments, this is a big topic, Jethro, just mm-hmm. so you know. Yeah, so they, they, they give these formative common assessments. They need to be not only commonly paced, but they have to be... Um, uh, so they're they're teaching within a day of each other. They have to have a common assessment so that the students take the same assessment across the board. That's the only way you're going to be able to compare data. Um, and and uh, I remember telling a group of teachers, one well, of my whole staff, when we got into this, I remember, you know, I'm the type of guy that'll throw something out controversial just to see how far they'll they'll follow me. And I said something to the effect of, you know. I'm looking for the day that every one of your assessments is common mm-hmm. and they just had a fit. But yeah. I will tell you now that there's not one assessment in my school that isn't common. It's finally happened. Wow. There's not an assessment given both summative and formative that the teachers, uh, uh, that, it, that it's not common across the board. And, and why is that so important? Greg, really break it down. Why do we need to pay attention to that common formative assessment? Because when you when you just give it an individual assessment, you can't compare what your students know. You you you, you think, oh, they got a hundred percent on this, or they, you know, my class didn't do very well on this. You, what you really need to know is how they did comparatively to another group of students, and both locally. I mean, that's what normative testing is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think we do good in some states on testing and our students know so much, but then all of a sudden you compare what you think your students know to a state that's doing really well like Massachusetts. 
and you're humbled a little bit, you say, well, why God, my gosh, you know? Uh, and so, and so it's just a, it's just a, a realism check, right? right? And it keeps, it keeps people moving down the road of, of, okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I need to do a better job because these students are, these students in this other classroom, uh, are mastering these standards uh, more completely, more thoroughly, and more consistently. Yeah, and and so then that naturally in some people's mind leads to, well, now I'm being compared against my peer teachers and they're better than me and I'm worse than them. How, how do you deal with that? You've been doing this for a while, so I'm sure you've figured out how to overcome those obstacles. Um, I would say it's again back to um, the consistency part of this. This doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. um, as you stay consistent, I mean, we've been doing this for a little while, and as teachers know that this isn't going to go away, uh, that I just I just let those teams know. Um, you know, when I walk into their meeting and they're not looking at their data and they're not sharing their data then I let them know straight up that that's the purpose of their meeting. And, and I don't have to do that. I've never, I haven't had to do that for easily five years mm -hmm. easily. <laughs> well, I'd say four, but it's been, it's getting, it's getting pretty automatic. So teachers know they're expected to look at that. And now it's, now it's more of a celebration and it, it's just a team, you know, they're, they're, they're out for all the kids. And that's the message I sell to them uh, every, every, Every chance I get, I just tell them it's not about you. It's about the students. If you have a teacher walking uh, that that is not uh, uh, that that has uh, bad you know data that's not as good, then you have to pull that teacher up. You have to help them and make sure that all the students get the same curriculum. This is about social equity. This is about um, you know we don't we don't want random failure in, in our schools. If a student walks in the front door of a school, we want to make sure that they have an equal chance to get a good teacher no matter who they go to. And so your job as a professional teacher is to make sure, even if they're not your student, that wherever they're going, they're going to get the curriculum they need. And I, you know, I do a lot of comparisons with other professions, you know. Gall, if, if, if they go into a hospital... And they know if they go to this doctor or this doctor, they're going to get good care or bad care. The hospital right. administrator is going to make sure that all his doctors are giving good, common care. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. anyway. So so is there any temptation to, um, you know, make the common formative assessments easier or, um, or bring down other people or... Um, or are teachers uh, well, I excited guess, enough that they bring each other up? I guess there is a temptation, possibly, where where they do that. But at the end, it'll it'll cheat them because member states they're based on standards, and so when they would take the state the state tests, if they don't line up at the end, you know, they're passing all these formative uh, tests at high mastery scores, and then they and then all the students bomb. The, the summative uh, uh, state uh, assessment test, a state assessment, you know, whatever system that is, 
then it's going to tell a true story, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it speaks to Draper Park where they're at on the Wasatch Front. They were number one in language arts uh, in the middle school here in, in the whole state of Utah. Mm-hmm. And I was really pleased with my teachers on that. That means they're not doing fake work. Yeah. Um, they were number uh, 12th in science and uh, 15th or something in math. So out of the three subjects tested in Utah, we were only one of two schools that, that hit all. Uh, we were in the top 20 of all three curriculum areas. And that, I, I think my teachers take pride in that, in that, in that they know their formative and summative work is building mastery to those tests that show, um, that are compared across the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that's a good payoff after, after all these years. And the thing that you didn't mention is that this was on the SAGE assessment, which was supposed to be much more difficult and rigorous than the, um, previous CRTs that they had in Utah. And, the expectation, the word on the street was that everybody is going to bomb and suffer on the new SAGE assessment, and your school doesn't doesn't really care what the state assessment is. You're doing good things every single day, and so you know your kids are learning because of what you're doing in your school, right? I, I would, I would, yeah, that's correct. You know, our sixth grade science team. 80%, I mean, I, I had I had never really seen, I mean, I've seen this on CRTs, which was an easier assessment, um, a lot easier. But on the SAGE, the first year out, which was very difficult for students, because they had to read graphs and monitor a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But in our sixth grade, they had 80% mastery on on that. That, that was just it's phenomenal when you think about it. Yeah, eighty um, percent of their students um, master or, or uh, were uh, proficient or above or advanced proficient on that Sage Science test, and not only was that the highest score in the state, I would beckon that it's it's just it's just amazing work on their part. And so now you look at their their data sheets; they made sure that those kids mastered across the board eighty percent on those standards all the way through the year. Mm-hmm. So they knew those students would be ready for this test. It wasn't a surprise for them. Yeah, and, and that's what I love about this model because it doesn't matter what the test is. You're, if you're assessing to mastery of standards throughout the entire year, whatever the test comes down, whatever test comes down the pike, you're going to be ready for it. And you're going to know, for the most part, what the what the skill level is going to be before the kids ever even take that test. And so it doesn't become this big, scary state test at the end. It's like, Hey, this is our time to like prove that we've been doing what we said we've been doing all year long. And now's our chance to say, this is what it looks like in real life. And to me, that is super exciting, super motivating and so powerful because it means so much more than just, some test at the end of the year that you have no idea how you're going to do on it when you really know you're going to nail it because you've been nailing all of your assessments tied to standards all year long. Yeah. And then when we look at that, that's well said. And then when we, we look at our data, you know, that's what I look at every week. I look at the data. I look at, 
I look at and see where my teams are at. And again, you know, starting out, I had to look at that a lot more. And so to give the people out there that are interested in this uh, kind of a, uh, uh, a way to look at it and, and keep and move and move this along in their schools. Um, every month, uh, or excuse me, every quarter, or maybe you know, so every maybe month, uh, every let's see, nine weeks is probably a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Every nine weeks, I would I would have my teachers come in as a group, um, and they would sit in front of me. Um, as a whole grade level group and show me their, their uh, formative assessments. So not, not only would I see the data, I would see the test and see how each standard broke down. And then I'd move to another. So I'd set for, it took me about 15 minutes. So I'd set 15 minutes with math. Then I'd set 15 minutes with, with uh, sixth grade science. Then I'd set 15 minutes with seventh grade English and making sure that those things were in line and and over time teachers build this uh uh formative bank uh of 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 tests you know and they they, uh uh, they become very comfortable with that i guess Mm -hmm. and let me just say this real quick there's a lot of technology out there now that supports these banks of formative work you know, and these kinds of things that that allow teachers to uh, uh, borrow from each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so anyway. So, so talk a little bit about what those, how that that process works. How, because they're not just given the same tests, you know, over and over and over each year. They're they're adjusting and getting the best questions in there to that really reflect how how students are actually performing. So. So what are some of the tools that you use to make that happen? Well, the biggest tool we use is after we take a, a major summative state assessment, um, we look and see what standards oh, uh, our, our students didn't do well on, you know, w- didn't master. And then we look at our formative work on those standards and say, okay, we need to beef this up. We need to make these questions a little tougher we need to make sure we're asking the right thing because what we teach in schools is above a teacher's pay grade. It's above my grade pay grade. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, uh, the, 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 the state determines what, what we learn. And, and this is the common core now. So states are adopting the common core. And, and so it's even getting bigger. And I would just say this is kind of a sideline maybe back on the other issue. But I was watching a couple of news programs because this Common Core thing is becoming a big issue right now mm-hmm. uh, in the news again. And a lot of parents are saying, well, why should I let my kid go to school? And that's all they're doing is is preparing for this Common Core end-of-year test. Well, schools that aren't involved in PLC work, they do do a big push at the end. And that matters because they're trying to prepare them, right? Mm-hmm. But schools, like you said, that have this this uh, uh, standardized based based on mastery program uh, and they do this weekly it isn't a big push at the end it's part of a regular system of education to make sure they know what they purport to know yeah absolutely so I don't know if that answered your question at the at the end there I just got off on a little sideline there but just real quick to answer your question um, 
So that's how we that's how we do that. We we make sure that that those standards that are weak we make strong and redo those tests. Um, we share our tests and have uh, every now and then district vertical uh, PLCs and schools that are doing better than us on state tests. We see what their questions are and we see what their best practices are. So we're always evaluating that, mm-hmm. comparing our work with someone else because we know, you know, you always got to play up, right? Right. Um, you always got to play up. And education's no different. If I'm a coach of a basketball team, the last thing I want to do is have my team play three-week teams before a championship. I want them to play the hardest teams they can play. Yeah. And so we want to compare up. We don't want to compare down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so you're looking at, at schools that are doing better than you and constantly finding ways to improve. Right. Sharing what right. you can with them, getting what they're willing to share with you. Um, I think that's that's awesome. So how are how are these tests, these common formative assessments saved? Are they like just in a in a big word document or do you have some more fancy way of keeping track of all your questions? You know, our teachers just save them in their in their Google Docs mm-hmm. right now. Um, there's like I say, there's programs out there where teachers share formative work nationally. But I'll say for our school and our district, you know, um, we're pretty comfortable with what we've built and we don't, we don't have a form to share it necessarily. And that gets into the district politics of it all, of what software they're going to let you use and, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of stuff. So you just got to figure out, you know, how far your district's going to let you go as far as what software you can use and, and how you're going to collaborate outside of your district yeah um but we've been successful um uh, to some degree uh not not doing that uh so to answer your question we're just saving them in our google docs forms and and that kind of a thing yeah so you don't have to have something fancy to get going here i mean everything that you've stated so far greg is super like it's not high tech it's not you know any groundbreaking except in the fact that it is groundbreaking that you're focusing on these things you know and i would i would echo that i mean i you know i don't i don't know i i it just scares me a little bit i mean really excellent principals out there listening to this might just be laughing over time but i i would say what's worked for us and i think what would work for any school is just common sense good practice consistent over time how can how can three math teachers communicating over a seven year period or even if a new math teacher comes in and joins the team um, go wrong? You know, because they have their curriculum, they have it common, they've agreed on it, they know what they're teaching. Um, you know, it's just it's just an orderly way to do it. So. Mm-hmm. So what would your advice be for a school like mine that has about. 450 kids um we've got one math teacher for sixth grade one for seventh one for eighth um we do have some rural rural schools in our district so we may be able to do some collaborative with collaboration with them how do we how do we get in on this common formative assessment stuff if we are you know we don't have anybody we're in common with i think the first thing you need to do even if you have one person is is make sure that 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 teacher 
um, has um, data that they're they're uh, they're willing to share, and I might even start sharing that data vertically, even though it's not common among your vertical team. That's probably how I'd start, and then mm-hmm. I would look for online uh, ability to uh, find a another teacher that's same subject level out there that's willing to start with you and share and and build a common curriculum. You only need one other person to compare with. It's nice to have three and four, but um, that's that's where that's where I would start. Um, if that if that answers your question. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so what? Um, uh, well, just... Jethro, let me say this. Okay. It, but I, I'm not going to kid you though. It's hard. It's much easier for me in my school that has. Uh, that I have, you know, three to four teachers on a subject level team, and and those team meetings are vibrant and 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 their conversations are awesome. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely your you know smaller schools are in a hard spot where they only have one math teacher. I I I I, I, I would give you this advice also that maybe you start changing your board and having uh, those teachers teach two subject levels so they can compare so instead of just having one teacher teach just sixth grade math maybe they teach sixth and seventh and another teacher teaches seventh and eighth so those two teachers can come together and start comparing notes uh, on on what they're teaching having one prep uh, isn't always good if if you don't have anyone to compare with right Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.